Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and this week on the show, I'm joined by Corinne Cantor, our head of consulting. Hey, Corinne. Hi, Dom. How are you going? Yeah, doing well. Corinne, recently we had our annual Culture and Leadership Conference online this year, as all things <laughs> are, did, but yep. it was our spectacular of uh, it allowed us... Did you call it extravaganza? Extravaganza, I think that's what I called it. That's right. And a lot of clients shared their cultural journeys in particular yeah. in there. And you know, following that, there was a lot of interest about culture and working on culture. And we had questions around, you know, what are tips for practitioners when working on culture mm. you know so it's not necessarily about our diagnostics and tools but you know what are things people should have in mind when they're actually doing this kind of work yeah. so i'd love to hear your top tips that you have for us it's timely dom because just after the conference we did a showcase on culture because we had a lot of questions a lot of people wanting to know more after all the client presentations we had and so I thought a lot around what I'd learnt. So oh. this isn't necessarily book learning. It's really learning on the job. Oh. So what I'd picked up as a way of action, as a practitioner or as a, as a line manager. So it's a combination of things that I've learnt over the years. And, you know, I boiled it down to 10 things because I could probably come up with more, but I thought 10 was enough. And... So I thought I might just go through it and spend a little bit of time on each one. And some probably deserve a bit more time. And so, for example, getting the CEO buy-in might need a bit more time. We might do something separate on. So this comes from my learning over the years of working either in organisations myself and being mm. responsible for creating culture change mm. or working with clients since I've been at Human Synergistics on culture. So the 10 things, and what I might do is just go through each one versus doing 10 and then going each yeah, one. So yeah, so we can do like a David yeah. Letterman top 10 <laughs> list or something. That's right. So number okay. one. Number one, be clear on the why and you need to create a felt need for okay. change. So it's important to help people understand why this is important and mm. relevant to the organization. If you're not clear about why you're doing it other than that's what everybody else is doing. Right, we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do mm. it. It's what we're meant to do. It's going to be hard to sell that. It's yes. going to be hard to build a business case around that. And so you've really got to be clear about the why and that's there's lots of reasons. So some of the performance results-based reasons that organizations have used are things like the results haven't been good. They've invested in the capability of the organization. They've got great clients, but the organization just doesn't seem to be firing. And oh. so they do culture because they've realized that that seems to be the norms of the organization are letting They're holding us back. Holding us back. Yep. It could be that you've got customer complaints. It could be that your engagement is low. But it could also be we've had one client who decided that when they were flying mm. and when they were storing, soaring, that that was the time to do culture mm. because it would help them to position for the future. 
had another client who's about to go into a massive growth phase and they wanted to build on that. So whatever the reason, just make sure that you're really clear about the why and how it's going to help and why it's now. That's so important, right? Just to sell as a message of why are we doing this stuff? Exactly. Because it's not culture for culture's sake. And I think people can fall into that. We do culture for culture's sake. No, we do it because we want to perform as an organization or whatever it is. Exactly. We want to get the best out of people. Yeah. So I think the first thing is make sure that you've got a solid why for reason for going into it. Because the thing about culture is it's not a program. It doesn't have an end date and you can't dabble in it. So you need to commit. It's really the long game and it's something that you're, is always there. So you'll always be working on it. But to start, it helps to have a reason why. Beautiful. What's number two? Number two is get the CEO buy-in. Essential. Essential. Often you can create pockets of change without the CEO buy-in, but the CEO is critical to an organization's cultural change or growth, if I can talk about change as growth, because they have to authorize the work. They've got to put their name behind it. In authorizing it, it means that they're signing off on the resources required. They're therefore giving people permission to experiment and try new things Mm. without fear of repercussion. Mm. They're setting an example and role modeling the kind of culture that they'd like to see. They're creating accountability and a basis for which people can report on culture. And their people really need to see an example in action. You know, it's that saying of the standard that you walk walk past is the standard that you accept. And so the CEO is critical to permission and sign-off If the CEO is behind this, then that gives a lot of assurance to people. And I think it's been real that the CEO is not perfect either. Exactly. They're not going to be constructive all the time. But And maybe they're starting from a kind of defensive mindset or something, but it's it's showing that they're up for it, that they're willing. I think that's all people really need to see. And at the risk of using a defensive saying Mm. in, you know, for good rather than evil, what interests my boss fascinates me right. <laughs> you know, is one of the leaders I've That's said. True. So yep. one of the things is if you don't have the CEO on board, it'll be very hard, hard to, get to get any of the leaders yep. behind it and get momentum. Okay. What, what's number three? Number three is adopt an integrated approach. So hmm. what I find in organizations is that the strategy is one place and culture is somewhere else hmm. and n- never the two things meet. So what people need to understand is that strategy guides, okay, strategy is about identifying where we're going and as a result, where we're going to put our effort, energy, time and money, what investments we're going to make to get there. Mm. But culture is what's going to drive that. It's what's going to deliver it. So one of the why (laughs) in terms that we talked about, number one, is you want a culture that's going to be fit for purpose and going to be able to deliver your strategy. So you need to look at them together as Mm. twin engines. Mm. You know, the strategy is where we're going and why we're getting there. The culture is always going to be the how. So it's the second engine required. The other type of fragmentation I see within people and culture teams is that you've got one team looking after leadership and another team looking after culture. So true. And so 
both teams use completely different models. Yes. And that creates what I'm going to talk about later, which is number eight, is friction. Okay, mm. there is model confusion in mm. the organization mm. and it dilutes the message. So it's really important that all of these things are working together to create a single message that has stickability mm. in it. It applies to all sorts of other departments and stuff that span across the organization. I've seen that with risk departments, yeah. safety. Yeah. They all have common cause with, yeah. because it's all culture, Yeah, right? Yeah, all of those things. And often you'll have, you know, we've done an engagement survey, we want to measure culture, but we've got to wait till the diversity culture survey or the safety culture survey mm. is done. And, you know, that's where you get survey fatigue. Yes, um, everyone's too many cooks doing different too things. Too many yep. cooks doing different things and they're not talking to one another. Yes. So integration is what's important when you're talking about culture. Okay, what's number four? Four is create a clear narrative. So I want to read out a quote that's written by Anton Chekhov, and he says, don't tell me the moon is shining, show me the glint of light on broken glass. <laughs> so the reason I like that quote is that it talks about, don't give me the literal description mm -hmm. of what we're doing, paint me a picture, you know, tell me a story that gets me excited. So mm. people will tolerate the conclusions of their leaders, but they'll act on their own. So every individual will have their own personal perspective on what they think the organization will need to do. And so that's one of the challenges of culture because everybody feels they've got the right version mm -hmm. of their what ought to happen. But the opportunity is to find a story that speaks to all of those mm -hmm different perspectives that brings it under one umbrella. Mm. And so one of the things that we do when we work with organizations is we work with the clients to try and get them away from using the term culture change. Yes. So talk about where it is that we'll be mm. and why it is that we're doing it and why it's such an attractive thing to need to do and what that will look like. So paint the picture of the destination and even the stops along the way so that people can feel inspired by that and feel it's, it's really going to tug on the heart, the mind and heart strings because this goes to the idea of creating a felt need for change. So a clear narrative, it's really the story of what's possible and the potential at our very best mm. and give that a name mm. that people easy to remember so it's not a sentence it's a name yes easy to remember and hold yeah it's our it's our lighthouse yeah i love that quote too because it classed up the podcast a whole lot with a check of quote love it <laughs> all right what's next what's number five <laughs> next one is involve people often and all the way so typically i think it's a you know leaders have to we talk a lot about change starts at the top. You need to get the CEO and senior. I agree with all of that. Yes. But culture's got to be powered by the people. Yeah. And we've changed our approach slightly from what we've learned in that I think that you need to work with the executive and the senior leaders, but you also need to crowdsource some of what's important. You can crowdsource the vision yep. for where we want to be around the culture of the organisation. You can crowdsource the values, you know, through sprints or we do vision sprints and culture sprints. So I think it's very important or cross-functional teams that represent, you know, the cross-functional view. So I think 
you've got to involve people. The more you involve people, and I think, Dom, I'd be interested because you and I have worked a lot on Mm. culture projects that I feel like since we've started to do that, we see change happen faster. A hundred percent. Yeah. You see a groundswell. Yeah, yeah. There's a groundswell. People get excited and they own it. So they're not just waiting for management to solve this whole thing, Yeah, right? They're going to come up with actions, sure, and they've got to try and be own it and all that stuff. But we can do stuff too. Yeah. Wow, what a revelation. Yeah, Yeah. and I think sometimes what's been interesting is to see the impact of leaders in the room seeing the excitement and the passion that's generated from their people. people, And often that's the thing that gets them turned on to it because they want to see passion. They want to see action. They want to see initiative. They want to see outside-the-box thinking. So the more you can involve people, remember people are more likely to resist change that is done to them Uh. rather than something that's done with them. Uh. And so if you think about cultural work, culture change as partnership where you've got to involve as many people as, as you can early and all the way through, you'll have a much better chance of accelerating the change that you're wanting to see. Absolutely. It's number five. Okay, so what's number six? Number six is measure culture. So number six is really about making sure that you've got good data to make good decisions and measure culture, get your baseline. I think one of the things that hasn't helped leaders pick up culture is that it feels intangible, it feels airy-fairy, it doesn't feel very concrete. And I think one of the things that human synergistics does bring to the table is a diagnostic that makes it concrete, makes it tangible. It's a cause and effect model. Mm. And it very clearly helps leaders understand the big five questions. First is, where do we want to be? Where are we now? Why have we got the culture that we've got? What impact is it having? And what can I do differently? They're the big five questions that leaders are concerned with. And so you will be guessing unless you've got a diagnostic that can take a statistically representative and valid measure. I think the difference between something like the approach that we've got is a population sample. Mm. So it takes some of the bias out of just going on gut feel or what we feel Mm. we know. Mm. So that's number six. Beautiful. Okay, so we've got to measure it so we know where we're at and what we want to focus on. What's number seven, Chris? Number seven is help leaders walk the talk. So in our model of how culture works, developed by Dr. Rob Cook, it's an empirical model, so it's been very well researched and so it's been proven. There are five drivers or five causal factors, five categories of things that shape culture. One of those is leadership, and leadership is a very, it's a critical lever for cultural change. All roads lead to leadership development when you're working on culture. So some of the fundamental principles for leaders is they have to lead by example. One of the ways we learn culture is to observe it, you know, and also to learn it by what we're being told. The carriers of those messages are the leaders of the organization. Leaders have to understand, therefore, that the change has to start with them. I would love a dollar for every CEO or senior leader that I've spoken to who is so pro-culture work 
but thinks that everybody out there that's going to have to change and it won't have to be them. Whereas it starts with you. And the thing is with leaders, they've succeeded in the culture. Uh, And so sometimes they're the ones that have to do the greatest amount of work uh, because they have to kind of deprogram from uh, what's there in order to rediscover what's possible. uh, And I think it's a great point that, you know, we talked about CEO at the start as well, but leaders have their own journey to go on of development. And it's not that they just turn on a dime and, you know, they're they're totally different, maybe in a different way. No, they're human too. Yeah. Right? And so it's about, but it's about moving in the right direction, you know? And it is about giving leaders, they're human, giving them time and support to rewire internally. There's a, a shift that has to happen in their mindset before they can really understand what's being required of them. And I've, I've heard examples where, you know, we roll out some culture results, something like that, and then, you know, the person who's, you know, I'm in contact with inside the organization will say, oh, you know, in the meeting last week, our CEO did this thing that was kind of out of character for them, right? Instead of yeah. weighing in with their decision first up, they actually, you know, got the conversation going. Yeah. Whatever it is, no, it's amazing. And like, and sometimes they'll say, look, it's not all the time, but even some of the time, like they're trying. Yeah, yeah. Like we can see they're trying, even yeah. if it's not 100%, they're trying. And, and that is what matters to people that you're trying. I couldn't agree more. They don't expect perfection. Yeah. They expect a genuine, honest attempt. They respect that at totally. trying to change. And, they, you know, most people understand, like I had one person say to me, they had the CFO they were working for, and the CFO very aggressive, defensive, Uh. very power, very perfectionistic, competitive. He would literally turn red trying not to be (laughs) red. Mm. And his team would say he slipped every now and then, but they hugely appreciated the effort. He's trying. He was trying. And eventually he got there. Beautiful. But, um, yep, so that I think leaders are really important. So number eight, we've already hinted at, at the, uh, I think it was in the introduction or something. So reducing what was number friction, eight? Reducing the friction. And what I mean by reducing friction is that when you're trying to change a system, because that's what culture involves, mm. you need all the signposts heading in the same direction. And so if you've got too many models, you've got too many new terms to use, mm different language and very often, you know, organization might have a capability framework, a competency framework, a culture model, a behaviors, values. And so there's all these systems that people have to learn. And sometimes all of these things haven't been integrated. And so if you're a line manager, if you're an individual contributor and you want to, all the best will in the world to do your bit for culture. If it's too hard to understand, you just kind of, I'm just going to do what I've always done. So make sure that there's a line of sight in terms of some of the things you can do to remove friction. Make sure that there's a line of sight between the vision, the mission, the purpose, and what somebody does every day. Okay. Ought to be able to look at what the organization stands for, what we're trying to do, and see how my effort makes a difference to that. There needs to be an alignment between systems and process and the behaviors that you're saying are important. 
So if you're saying that teamwork is important, you need to have a goal-setting process that has at least some goals that are team goals and they're not all individual goals. If you've got your systems reinforcing one kind of behaviour but you're out there and your rhetoric says something else, you know, and the classic one is um, we value teamwork but we only reward individual work, they're only individual stars and heroes, then you've just created a mixed message. Um, We talk about quality but we measure quantity. Exactly. We talk about quality. I love that. Measure quantity. We talk about innovation but you've got to prove it before you're able to get a business case up and, and running. So these are all very mixed messages. Recognize and reward the right behavior. So we talk about collaboration, but the people who get the big accolades and the rewards are the people who walk over everybody to get those results. So too many models we've talked about, and you've got to manage the white anting. So if you've got people out there, whether they're leaders or not, and they're undermining the message. This is particularly toxic if it's a leader that's doing it. So when they're in the room with the CEO and everybody else, they say, yes, they're supporting the culture. But when they go out, they actually say things to their team like, you know, get on with your real job or, you know, don't pay any attention to it. It's not the first thing that you do is you manage them out, but you need to explain You can't walk past that behavior because if you do, it's very visible to everybody that you've just let that go. And if you've just let that go as a leader, you've just lost your credibility and the program has lost its credibility. So you really need to talk to that person about what's the sticking point, be clear about your expectations, help them, support them, coach them, give the opportunity to change. But if they don't change and they keep on undermining, that you can't tolerate that. That needs to be managed. And in some cases, you know, I think I've written a, a blog once where I thought about every CEO I've ever interviewed around culture and I've said to them, what's the one thing that they'd do differently? It is the same answer every single time. I would have managed out this person, that leader, earlier because it's just intolerable. So I think remove the friction in the organisation. Number nine is train people, build skill and capability. So they're things, good skills, interpersonal skills in terms of good relationships, coaching skills, problem solving, super important in culture change. You're passionate about about it. No, go for it. Well, (laughs) I think it's one of the most important fundamentally important things in an organization, yeah. right? That people can effectively solve problems in teams at every level. Yeah, you I know, agree. If you want an achievement culture, that's what we need to be able to do. Yeah. Well, even I think too that when people are confident in their problem-solving skills, they're more likely to take action and yeah. that helps their self-actualizing as yeah. well. And so I think don't, you know... If culture is quite passive-defensive especially, a really good way of helping to activate that culture is by teaching people problem-solving skills and giving them some structure to be able to work through issues and to make decisions. Last but not least, Number Dom, 10. continuous deployment. It's not a program. Culture doesn't have a use-by date. 
it's not kind of a checkbox where you say, oh, we've done it now, we're done. What's next? You are always going to be attending to culture. And I was talking to a group this morning and was talking about how culture is part of how the organisation maintains momentum and remains agile. So a culture, you don't have any choice as an organisation where you have a culture or not, you do. The only choice is how much you've designed it. It's a conscious decision. And the reason why organisations need to pay attention or should pay attention to culture is it is the one thing that they actually have control or influence over. It's an input. So it's about cause and effect. If you want your culture to be a certain way, it is entirely possible for you to create it, which I think, you know, culture somewhere where your effort makes a difference super important in being effective and successful in a world that is constantly changing. So they're my 10 things, Dom. Top 10 tips. I love it. I love going through those. So I had them as be clear on the why, get the CEO and senior leaders buy-in, adopt an integrated approach. That was culture and strategy coming together. Having a clear narrative about why, why now, and what good looks like. Involve people early and often measure the culture, get a baseline help leaders walk the talk, remove the friction, train for new skills and continuous deployment. Love it. Thanks, Dom. You've just shortened my uh, learning curve by... uh, (laughs) 15 years. 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Thanks, Corinne. All right. Thanks, Dom. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, Leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. today's episode of Culture Bites, we talked about the How Culture Works model. The How Culture Works model is from the Organizational Culture Inventory and Organizational Effectiveness Inventory. The feedback report for these surveys and other culture change resources are copyrighted by Human Synergistics International. Research and development by Robert A. Cook and J. Clayton Lafferty. All rights reserved. Please contact us if you would like to review any of these resources for organizational change and development.